we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of Urgency of Change. This episode marks the first of a new season of the Krishnamurti podcast. The next 50 episodes, released each week, are based on major themes of Krishnamurti's teachings, such as freedom, self-knowledge, authority, beauty, death and meditation. Extracts from our extensive archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches over the years to each of these universal and timelessly relevant themes. This week's theme is listening. Upcoming themes are images, passion and confusion. This podcast is brought to you by Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in the UK. For more information about activities and programs at Brockwood, such as the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre, Brockwood Park School, and more about the Foundation, please visit our website at kfoundation.org. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. This week's podcast has four sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's first talk in Sanan, 1962, titled The Act of Listening. I think from the very beginning of these talks, we should be very clear what the intention of these gatherings are. It seems to me, when there is so much change in the world, outwardly, when there are so many pressures, so many demands, with innumerable problems, we should be very clear how to meet them. And perhaps to meet them, there must be a complete transformation of the psyche. I mean by that word the mind, the whole process of our thinking, the attitudes, the values the habits, the innumerable beliefs and dogmas that we have cultivated for so many centuries. All this must be, at least it seems to me, completely transformed 
to meet the innumerable problems of life. And that's what I'm proposed to talk, how to bring about this radical change, this transformation in the mind during these talks. And so these talks are very serious. They're not mere uh, an amusement of a Sunday morning or any other morning. Either you listen to it completely, not taking a little part here and there, but listening to the totality of what is being said, not at one meeting, not during one speech. But if you are serious at all, and I hope you are, then we shall be able together to explore how, how to bring about this radical revolution in ourselves. And I mean by that word serious, the capacity, the intention to pursue whether you like it or not, to go to the very end of a particular subject. To explore totally a particular aspect of life. We are not dealing the prob mechanical problems of life, as with regard to the common market, how to stop the atom bomb, how we can go to the moon, <coughs> all those outward problems. But I think those outward problems will be understood if we can understand the inward problems. And it seems to me also that the outward problem is not so very different from the inward problems. Really, if one comes to think of it, <coughs> There is no differentiation, no demarcation between the outer and the inner. It's like an ebb, like a tide that goes out and then comes in. And to merely concentrate on the inward process of one's own being becomes will have very little meaning if we do not understand the outward process of the mind also, the outward activities 
as well as the inward activities. The outward activities correspond to the inward activities. And to merely concentrate on the inward and neglect the outward will have very little meaning and also will lead not very far. So, as I said, this is a very serious gathering, not an entertainment and certainly not exchange of ideas. Because ideas which are organized thought, concepts, will have very little have very little significance in bringing about a radical revolution. Ideas don't change a human being. They merely <coughs> alter the pattern of existence. Most of us indulge in ideas or exchange one belief for another belief. But such exchange, such substitution or accepting ideas and discarding old ideas merely bring about a superficial adjustment, a superficial appointment of different words, thoughts and ideas. But such exchange, such substitutions do not bring about radical transformation. Therefore, we are not indulging in ideas, in formulas, in concepts. We're going to deal, as we go along three times a week, with facts, with psychological facts, not psychological myths of fears, hopes, despairs, which are also part of fact, but we are going to deal with psychological facts and the mind is only capable of meeting them, those facts, without interpretation, without condemnation, only when we know how to listen to those facts, how to observe those facts. <coughs> I think it is important to understand what we mean by listening, by observing. Those two words, observing, and listening, listening or seeing, have very particular deep meaning and I would like to go into it a little bit this morning. Because transformation is not brought about 
by the action of will, by desire, which is another form of will. This transformation cannot come about through effort, which is again the urge of a motive, of a compulsion, of a necessity. Nor this transformation, this revolution, come about by any influence, by any pressure, by mere adjustment. It can only come about effortlessly. And I will go into that later on. But as this is the first tour, it must obviously be an introductory affair. So it is important to understand what we mean by listening. I do not know if you have ever listened to anything. Actually, listen, to listen to that stream that is going by. Not give it a name, not let it interfere with your attention, not give it a name, not give it a significance, but merely to listen to it. You can only listen when there is no motive. If you have motive which makes you listen, then what is important is the motive, but not the act of listening. You then listen in order to get something, in order to achieve something in order to arrive somewhere. So your attention then is divided, because your attention then is concerned with achievement, gaining, arriving somewhere. Therefore you are not listening. Please do pay little attention to this, because if, you, if we don't fully comprehend this issue, I'm afraid you will miss totally the whole meaning of these talks. But to me, every form of effort to bring about a revolution is to pervert, to deny that very revolution, that transformation can come about only when there is no effort of any kind. And that's why it's very important to understand what it is to listen. 
You cannot listen if you are comparing with what you already know. Then you are merely interpreting. And where there is interpretation, then there is no act of listening. If you are condemning what you hear, because you think it is different, it should be different, or you have certain opinions, then you are not listening. You certainly are not listening if you are merely following one set of authority or a series of authorities or books. The, so the act of listening is extraordinarily difficult, because we are so conditioned when we listen to anything, either to accept it or to deny it, to condemn it or to compare what we know with what we hear. So there is no unconditioned listening. Because if I say something, the natural, the conditioned response is to accept or to deny, or to say, oh, I know that already, such and such a book or such, such, such a person has said that. When, you, when the activity of the mind is going on, then you are not listening. Surely this is very logical, rational and sane. It is not something mysterious that which, of which you are talking about. So the very act of listening completely to something that is factual, without your opinion, without your judgment, without your condemnation, without the interference of a world, is extremely arduous, needs complete attention. And similarly, the act of seeing. I wonder if we see anything at all. A tree, the mountain, a river, the face of your wife or your husband or a child or the passing passerby. I question it. Because words, ideas, formulas interfere with what we are seeing. We say that's a lovely mountain. That very expression, that very word prevents you from looking.
which is again a psychological fact. To see something, your mind must be completely quiet without the interference of idea. You, when next you observe a flower, see how difficult it is to see it, to see it non-botanically. Though you may be a botanist, you though you may know all the colour, the species and the varieties and the beauty of that flower, to look at it without the interference of the world, without the interference of your particular like and dislike. And again, that's very arduous, because we are so sloppy, we are so distracted, our mind is constantly chattering never seeing and never listening. But to listen and to see is, does not require effort. But if you are listening, actually listening to what is being said now and therefore understanding of what is being said, then you will listen and then you will see, without effort. Because a revolution, not only the outward upheaval of a particular society, but the complete inward psychological revolution implies not only the conscious as well as the unconscious revolution. One can easily change outwardly the pattern of one's existence, the way you think. You may not belong to a particular church or, may, or join another church. You may belong to a particular group. You can change all that very easily by circumstances, by your fear, by wanting greater reward and all the rest of that. Outwardly, superficial consciousness, superficial mind can easily be changed. But it's much more difficult to bring about a change in the unconscious, and that's where our difficulty lies. And the unconscious cannot be changed through volition, through desire, through will. It must be approached negatively. We shall go into all this later. And to approach the total consciousness negatively implies the act of listening, implies seeing facts 
without any interference of opinion, judgment, condemnation. And that's why it's also very important to understand what is negative thinking. Because most of us are accustomed, through experience, to conform, to obey, to have established moral, ethical, ideological authorities. What we are discussing, what we are going into, demands no authority of any kind. Because the moment you are beginning to explore, there is no authority. Each moment is a discovery. And how can a mind discover if it is bound by authority, by its own previous experience? So, negative thinking as listening, as seeing, implies the uncovering of one's own assertive, dogmatic beliefs, experiences, hopes and fears. And to see these fears, anxieties, desires negatively, not with the desire to alter them, not with the desire to put a, go beyond them, but merely to observe, merely to see them without evaluation. Therefore, that brings us to another issue, which is to observe without the word. You know, I do not know if you have ever tried to look at something without word. The word, the symbol, the relationship of words constitute thought which is the response of memory. And to look at something without word implies to look at something without thought. And you try sometime as you go out this morning, look at those mountains and listen to those rivers, to that river, and to the green valley and the snow-capped hills. Look at it without a thought. Which doesn't mean that you are asleep, 
It doesn't mean that you look at them blank, with a blank mind. On the contrary, when you so look at them, you have to be so totally, completely aware And again, that's a, an arduous task, because we are so conditioned from childhood. We are conditioned by words. Oh, he's a communist, he's a Catholic, he's an Englishman, an American, a Swiss, or the rest of it. And through that screen of words we look and we listen. And so we never see, we never listen. And to be free of the slavery to words, the word God, to be free of that word, especially for those people who think they are religious or spiritual. They are slaves to that word, and the word is not the thing, the word God is not God, obviously. But to understand what that extraordinary thing is, one must be free of the world, which means one must be free of all the influence of that word inwardly, which implies neither believing nor disbelieving, which implies neither belonging, not belonging to any religion, to any organized form. Only then you Perhaps you will be able to find out for yourself if there is such a thing which is beyond the world, beyond the measure of mind. So, these talks. Or grave matter. They need your attention. They need your discovery of yourself. Not tomorrow, not the next minute, but as you are listening, in the immediate present. Because without understanding the whole process and the mechanism of one's own mind, you cannot go very far. And we have to take a journey into the infinite, to the timeless. And to do that, one must begin very near, which is yourself. And that's why it's very important to be aware 
of one's own operations of the mind, which is the beginning of self-knowledge. Because without knowing yourself, you have no basis for any thought. You have no basis for any inquiry. And to know oneself demands not the accumulative process of knowledge, but the knowing of oneself from moment to moment. To see yourself as you are from moment to moment, not interpreting what you say, what you see, but to observe. That again needs and a, a choiceless awareness. So, these talks demand a gravity of purpose They demand, if I may request you, that you should come regularly, or not at all. Because you, you can't understand one by one talk the whole thing. It's like going to a mathematical professor and ask him to tell you the whole universe of mathematics in a few minutes. It would be too absurd, too immature. So, if you are serious in all this, you have to attend regularly. And you have to pay attention. an effortless attention, an attention in which you are discovering not what the speaker is saying, which is not at all important, but through the words of the speaker to discover your own process of thinking and to come upon your, the facts within yourself. This second part is from the sixth talk in Sanin, 1983, titled In Listening is a Miracle. Do we, each one of us, listen, hear what we say to each other? Or you are talking, you want to tell me something, and I want to tell you something. What you want to tell me becomes much more important than what I want to tell you, so there is this battle going on. You understand? You want to say, you are talking to yourself most of the time, and, you, and I, another comes along and wants to tell you something. You haven't the time or the inclination or the intention to listen, and so you never listen to the other chap. 
And so there is this constant deafness, a sense of space in deafness, so that we never listen to each other. There is not only the hearing with the ear, but also listening to the meaning of the word, the significance of the word, and also to the sound of the word, the sound which is very important. When there is sound, there is space. You Otherwise there is no sound. Unless you have space, then only in that space sound can take place. So the art of listening, if one may point out most respectfully, is not only hearing with the ear, but also listening to the sound of the world. The word has a sound, and to listen to that sound there must be space. But whereas if you listen all the time translating what is being said into your own uh, prejudices, into your own <coughs> uh, pleasurable or unpleasurable movement process, then you are not listening at all. Is this clear? Can we this evening or morning? Attempt to listen, not only to what the speaker is saying, but also listen to your own reaction to what is being said, not correct your reaction to conform to what is being said. So there is this process going on. The speaker is saying something which you are listening to, <coughs> and also you are listening to your reactions to what is being said, and give space to the sound that you, that your own reactions are, and also to what is being said. You understand? It means a tremendous attention, not just getting into a kind of trance, and go off listening to some marvellous speech, and you know, and it was very nice that morning, it was a very good speech, and it's this, it's that, I was glad I was there, he told me a lot of things which I have not thought about, and all that nonsense. But whereas, if you listen, and in that listening there is a miracle, 
The miracle is that you are so completely with the fact of what is being said and listening to that, and listening also to your own responses. It's a, it's a simultaneous process. You, you listen to what is being said, and you react, react to what is being said, which is instantaneous, and then listen to the whole sound of it, which means having space. You understand? So, you are giving your whole attention to listen. Am I making this clear? That this is an art. Not to be learned by going to a college, passing some degrees that you have learned listening, but to listen to everything, to that river going by, to the birds, to the aeroplane, to your wife or to your husband, which is much more difficult. Because you've got used to each other. You know what she's almost going to say. And she knows very well what you are going to say after ten days, after ten years. <laughs> so you you've set your hearing all together. You understand? Here we are asking something entirely different. To learn, not tomorrow, now, as we are sitting there, to learn the art of listening. That is to listen, to be aware of your own responses, and allowing space to the sound of your own beat, and to listen. It's, it's a total process, not separate, but a unitary movement of listening. Have you got this? This is art. This is an art that demands your highest attention. Because when you so attend, there is no listener. There is only this fact or the reality of the fact or the falseness of the fact is seen. Right? I hope we are doing this this morning, because we are going to go into something very, very complex. And unless, of course, you want to go off into some romantic uh, trance, it's all right. But if you really want to <coughs> probe into the nature of a, of a brain that is religious and a meditative brain, 
You have to listen very, very attentively to, to everything, to that aeroplane, so that there is no difference between that noise and the noise the speaker is making and the noise you are making. Understand? You understand? It's, a, it's like a tremendous river moving. The third part is from the fourth public talk in Ojai, 1977, titled The Art of Listening. The word art is generally applied to artists, those who paint, those who write poems, do sculpture, and so on. But the meaning of that word, art, means giving everything its right place, putting all our thoughts, feelings, anxieties and so on in their right place. So the word art means giving their proper place, proper proportion, putting everything in harmony, not just paint a picture or write a poem. So if you will, this morning, apply the art the art of listening. We rarely listen to anybody. We are so full of our own conclusions, our own experiences, our own problems, our own judgments. So we have no space in which to listen. We ought to have some space so that as two friends, you and I, the speaker, are talking over together their problems, amicably under the shade of a tree, sitting down and looking at the mountains, but concerned with their problems. And so they are willing to listen to each other and to listen is only possible when you put aside your particular opinion, your particular knowledge or problem, your conclusions, when you are free to listen not interpreting, not judging, not evaluating, but actually the art of listening, to listen with great care, attention, with affection. 
And if we have such an art, if we have learned such, rather, if we are capable of such listening, then communication becomes very, very simple. There'll be no misunderstanding. Communication implies to think together, to share the things that we are talking about together, to partake in the problem. As two human beings living in a monstrous, corrupt world where everything is so ugly, brutal, violent and meaningless, it's very important, seems to me, if I may point out, that in the art of listening, one learns immediately. One sees the fact instantly. And if, you, if one listens rightly, as we point out the meaning of that word, right, correctly, accurately, not what you think is right or wrong, but in the art of listening, there is freedom, and in that freedom, every word, every nuance of word has significance, and there is immediate comprehension, which is immediate insight, and therefore immediate freedom to observe. The final extract this week is from the ninth talk in Sanin, 1965, titled You are listening to yourself and not to the speaker. The gentleman says, while I'm listening to you, I think I understand. When I'm away, I don't understand. I try to apply and I can't succeed. I hope you will not think I'm rude, but you're not listening. You're not listening to me. That's where the mistake is. What is the speaker saying? He's just pointing out, which is, the speaker is yourself speaking aloud. You are listening to yourself and not to the speaker. Get that simple fact. You are listening your, to yourself and not to the speaker. If you are listening to the speaker, he becomes your leader, your authority, your way to understanding, which is a horror. Because you have then established the hierarchy of authority, which is an abomination. So what you are doing is listening to yourself, seeing the picture, the, 
the speaker is painting, which is your own painting, not the speaker's painting. If that is clear, that you are listening to yourself, then you say, well, I like to or I don't like to. That is the end of it. I see myself as I am and there must be a change and you begin to work, not apply what the speaker is saying. If you want to work hard, go to it. If you don't, it's all right. Because one has to create a new world, a new society, a new group of people. And you cannot create a new group of people, a new society, by saying, I have listened to you and I don't know how to apply what you are talking about. You are listening to yourself, and you can listen to yourself as you listen to that stream, either casually, indifferently, curiously, or attentively. Being attentive, you have the energy, and being having energy, you have passion to listen to yourself. And that's all you have to do. And to listen to yourself means no resistance to what you are listening to. No comparison, saying, this is good, I must not be, I must be, all that silly, stupid, pity nonsense. Then out of that passion and energy is action. The total thing is action. Not having listened, I want to apply. <laughs> you cannot apply what you are listening to. Then it becomes tawdry, juvenile. But if you are listening to yourself as the speaker is speaking which is yourself, then out of that listening you have clarity. Out of that listening there is sensitivity. Out of that listening the mind becomes healthy, strong, not obey, obeying, resisting. It becomes alive, intense, and it is only such a human being that can create a new world, a new generation.